Lift every voice and sing Till earth and heaven ring Ring with the harmonies of liberty Let our rejoicing rise high as the listening skies let it resound loud as a rolling sea. Sing a song full of the faith that the dark past has taught us. Sing a song full of the hope that the presence has brought us. Facing the rising sun of our new day begun, let us march on till victory is won. Welcome back to the Nine Points Podcast. I'm your host, BH, and you are now in Z time. Time for us to have a discussion with Generation Z. Today I am joined by King. Hello. Newbie. Hi. And a newcomer to the group, Sully. Hello. So we are all getting ready to get share with you guys. Looking forward to it. And today we're going to discuss part of the story of Jonah. So I will let everybody get started and then I'll ask some questions. King, start us off. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Amittai, go to the greatest city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to and headed for Tarshish. Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for the for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own god, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call for your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots, lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. Calamity, yeah. Calamity. Calamity. They cast lots, and, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He then answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry lands. This terrified them, and they asked, What have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. 
The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, What should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it's my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to throw back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have you done as you please. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. This is Jonah's prayer. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. All right. All right, King, won't you slide over this way a little bit? Sully, see if you can pull your chair up a little bit. Now, you can sit here. I was just wanting you both to be close enough to the microphone where you can talk. Okay. Now I'm going to go back. Who is the main character in in this particular passage? Jonah. And Jonah is sent to what city, Sully? Nineveh. And Nineveh is the capital of what? Assyria. All right. Now, I got a few questions here. I want, I'm part of me is wondering, should I say this part before I give you this, these questions? Okay, I, I'll go ahead. I'll read this part, and then I'll ask you guys some questions about it. All right. Jonah's reason for running was quite simply that he did not like the Assyrians. He didn't like them. Assyria was an idolatrous, proud, and ruthless nation bent on world conquest, and they had long been a threat to Jonah's people. So when God sent Jonah as a missionary to their capital of Nineveh, the prophet balked. Jonah was a prophet, okay? So God sent him to go to this place and because this place was wicked and had long been a threat to Jonah and his folks, he didn't want to have anything to do with them. He didn't want he didn't want to help them, and he didn't want to be there when God punished him, okay? So that's, you know, that's the backdrop. That's the backdrop for this particular passage. So God told Jonah to go to a place called Nineveh that he did, that he did not like at all. Now, did this person ignore what he wanted to do and choose to do what God told him to do? He did not want to do what God told him to do. Okay. So, Sully, did he did he say even though he didn't like him, did he decide he was going to go ahead and do it? No, he just decided to disobey God and choose his own his own path. Okay. I think that was part of my next question. Uh, what did Jonah do instead of go where God told him to go, newbie? 
He decided to disobey. And he got on a what? Got on a boat. Got on a boat. He tried to get on a boat and go in the exact opposite direction of where God told him to go. Okay. So my question, my question real quick is, did God allow Jonah to choose his own path? Sweetheart, no. What do you guys think? Did God allow Jonah to choose his own path? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. What do you think, Sally? I think he did. And, uh, Wanted to see what Jonah was gonna do if he was gonna follow if he was gonna follow his his commands or disobey him. That's right. He he gave Jonah a choice. He knew how Jonah felt. He knew why Jonah felt the way that he did. But he said, Jonah, I'm sending you with this mission. I want you to do this. And then God sat back to see which direction Jonah was gonna go. Okay. Now. Do you think that God allows us to choose our path today, even if it is in the opposite direction of where he wants us to go? Yes, he still does. So, King, you think God still allows us to choose our own path? Yes, sir. What, what about you, Sully? Yes, I think he allows us to choose our own path, but I think he kind of gives us hints to the path that he wants us to go on, but it's up to us to choose whether we take those hints or not you got something to add newbie it's kind of what what they both said but unless you're like a serial killer then he does stuff on your own path all right newbie that's a first strike we're not talking about serial killers we're not even talking about killing the cereal we eat for breakfast we're talking about jonah naniva and assyria all right now did God allow Jonah to go to Tarshish and live happily ever after? Or did God make the journey difficult for him? God made the journey difficult. What do you think, newbie? He did not let that slide, so he decided to make a storm come up for him to know what he did wrong. Okay. Now... You know, there was one thing that happened here, and and the thing, it stood out to me because it relates to something that I know that happens in the New Testament with Jesus as well, um, when there was a really big storm. What was Jonah doing when the storm happened? Uh, let me ask, newbie, what was Jonah doing when the storm first popped up? Wasn't he, like, going to, like, another land? Yeah, he was going to another land, but while they were on the boat, and the storm was raging. What was Jonah doing? Nothing. You remember what Jonah was doing, Sully? I actually do not. He was sleeping he was, at a other level of the ship. He was asleep. Everybody was worried. Thought they were going to drown. Thought that the ship was going to turn over. Jonah's knocked out sleep in the bottom of the boat. Well, he's lazy. Now... After the after the people threw Jonah over the side of the boat, what happened to the storm, newbie? Didn't the storm get worse? I'm not exactly sure. It got it got better once he was thrown out of the boat. Now, Sully, did the people when Jonah said, "Throw me over the side," and I know I'm the reason this stuff happened, did the other people did they say, "Okay, come here"? Yes, they did, and they threw him right over. 
did something happen before they threw him over? Did they were they happy to do it at first? They were horrified. They didn't want to do it at first. And they didn't know if that was really true or not. They right. Because in their mind, they're thinking, I don't want to kill an innocent person. I don't want to kill an innocent person. So at first they were like, I really don't want to do this. So they kept throwing stuff overboard, trying to make everything lighter. And they kept trying to paddle, but it just didn't work. And then finally they decided to throw him over. And lo and behold, they threw Jonah over the side of the boat. And then it said, then they took Jonah and threw him overboard and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Now, I've got, I mean, there are a few things that stand out here. Number one, you guys do agree that God gives us free will and he gives us hints as far as what we ought to do. Correct? That's correct. Correct. You guys think that's true for uh, for Christians and non-Christians? Or do you think that was just true for people back in the day? Or is it true for now? That's true for everyone. Yes, I agree with King. Okay. Now, um, I don't, let's, let's put ourselves partially in Jonah's position and I want, uh, I want Sully or, or a newbie to answer this one first. Have you ever heard, had somebody tell you they want you to do something and you felt like you shouldn't have to, you felt like it wasn't fair. You felt like, but, but why? That's just that's not fair to me. Have Have you guys ever felt like that? More than I'd want to in my life. Yes, I have felt like that before. Okay, so that same thing happened with Jonah. Now, the reason I ask that is because sometimes what we need to do and what we want to do are two completely different things. And, you know, there are times where people can't make us do stuff that we don't want to do. So in this particular passage in the Bible, God told Jonah, point blank, I want you to do this. He knew that Jonah heard him, and then he allowed Jonah to choose to go on his own direction. Now, we don't know what would have happened if Jonah didn't get thrown over the boat. We don't know. All we know is he got thrown over the boat, and we know how it, how it ended, which I'm not going to go into right now, but we know how it ended. He threw him over the boat. And he was in the fish for three days and three nights. We know that. But sometimes God might tell us to do something, give us a chance to go in the other direction, to go towards our Tarshish or whatever. And unlike Jonah, who was willing to ultimately, eventually sacrifice, sometimes God lets us go as far as our imagination takes us. And it's possible if Jonah didn't allow himself to get thrown over the boat, all those people would have died. It might be possible that all those people on the boat that were trying to do a good thing to save Jonah, God might have taken all of their lives and allowed Jonah to live. And then Jonah would have had the guilt of knowing he was responsible for all those people getting killed. And now he's alive and he still got to do what God wants him to do. You know? So, 
I guess I'm, I do have another couple of questions, but we're getting close to time to go. Is there, tell me for the audience out there, share something that stands out about this, about this passage that you think you're going to remember. Well, if you don't follow directions, there are going to be consequences. Now, the consequences can severe can um different in severity, but if it's something as simple as shoplifting, you could go to jail for that. So please keep that in mind. Yes, I found it very interesting that God really allowed Jonah to choose to follow him or not, and I think that really relates to today. God gives you hints and things and tells you kind of tells you what he wants you to do, but then he just sits back and is like, okay, now you now you take your life where you want to go. So I think I will really remember that. I do have occasional thoughts about this. I wonder what would happen if Jonah stayed on the boat for longer or tried to run further and further away from God. More consequences. Well, I guess that's all the time we have for now. I would like to thank Generation Z, Z Time, for sharing with us today their perspectives on this passage about Jonah. I'd like to thank Sully. I'd like to thank King. I'd like to thank Newbie. And I hope that you all enjoyed this segment. Looking forward to more Z Time on the Nine Points Podcast. Stony the road we trod, bitter the chasing rod, felt in the day when hope unborn had died. Yet with a steady beat, have not our weary feet come to the place for which our fathers died. We have come over a way that with tears have been watered. We have come treading our path through the blood of the slaughtered. Outweigh our gloomy past till now we stand at last where the white gleam of our bright star is cast. All right. Welcome to the Nine Points Podcast. I am your host, BH. You have just heard Deshaunay Jones singing Lift Every Voice and Sing, which was written by James Weldon Johnson. I want to thank you for joining the podcast. And starting today, I would like to encourage you guys to always have your Bible present or at least have this specific scripture available because it's going to be the reference. As you all know, this is the Nine Points Podcast, and the nine points that we try to focus on comes from Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, which speak of the fruit of the Spirit. It's our desire here at the Nine Points Podcast to always be mindful of the fruit of the Spirit, when we focus on opportunities and challenges and a little bit of both when it comes to having better 
relationships with the people that we love. Yes, it's true that sometimes people that we enjoy our relationships with have some tough times and they have to work through some things and we really, really want other people to work on their issues. And I think it's also important, though, to realize that no matter what somebody else is doing with their life or no matter what they're not doing, it's always a good policy to make sure that we are doing our best to present ourselves to the world in a in a positive light. Regardless, you know, most of you guys grew up with parents or family members that have said this to you. If somebody jumped off a roof, would you jump? If somebody jumped off a bridge, would you jump? And I'm not and I I realize the kind of climate that we that we live in today and even as I was saying that I was thinking, ooh, you know, just the imagery of that. Those things happen. I'm not encouraging anybody to do it. And I hope that people, there are enough people that are listening, you realize the point that I'm making. Could I have used a different analogy? Yes. And at the same time, I wanted to connect to the audience in a way that I'm sure most people can relate to. It's, you know, it's a metaphor. It means that sometimes other people do things that are not conducive to survival. And therefore, it's up to us to utilize what God has given us so that we can strive for righteousness. It might be possible for us to do certain things that we know are selfish and we might not necessarily get punished for it right away. But the problem is, if we do that, if we make a habit of doing that, then inevitably, at some point when we need to do something that's hard, we're going to have so many built in bad habits so many self-inflicted, um, so much self-inflicted punishment, we might not live up to rise up to the expectations of our new challenge. So that's why, in a nutshell, that's why I want you to keep Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23 handy as we process these issues from time to time that might come up and hope to improve the communication patterns in your relationships. One more time, I'm BH, and welcome to the Nine Points Podcast. I want to talk to you all today about something that really is has a lot to do with the situation that my wife and I went to this morning. We went to, we had a meeting this morning, and at that meeting, there was a person that did a presentation, and it was, it was a very good presentation. They did a good job. And that person said something, and I'm paraphrasing, they said something to the effect that crooks aren't interested in, they're, they're more interested in what you've earned than what you've learned. And I thought about that. A lot of times when something stands out, I like it, it seems like, hmm, I like that. That's kind of deep. And then I'll chew on it for a while and I'll think about it and I'll think about how that can apply to something else. And I could think about how it might apply to several different scenarios. And I thought, a crook, if we're thinking of a crook or a criminal, we're thinking of somebody that's desperate, somebody that is in a bad place. I'm not making a judge, I'm not going to try to say that everybody that commits a, um, commits a selfish act 
is a bad person. I will acknowledge that um, all of us, if we're honest with ourselves, can acknowledge that there's some bad in us and that we have done bad things. But the point I'm making about crooks or criminals being in a bad place, being desperate and making bad choices, got me to thinking about what this person said, you know, in another light in, in terms of relationships. Sometimes people want what you have earned, but they don't care about what you've learned. And I thought about that in terms of relationships. And I'm thinking about times where I have been very difficult to deal with. When somebody has been kind to me and because I'm in a certain mood or because certain things are on my mind and I can't separate myself from those things, I have to, I'm trying to, I don't want to make an excuse, but I'm just trying to explain that sometimes I can feel when I'm about to make a mistake. And I might not be in the best frame of mind to to return somebody's kindness. And the same thing happens with others. Sometimes we might not be aware of what's going on in somebody else's mind, what's on their heart, that's keeping it hard for them to be positive, making it hard for them to be respectful, and the worst of them might come out. And at those, those times, you might encounter somebody that's more interested in having a little bit of what they think you have and not caring about the story of you or not caring about the context of what you had to go through to have that. And the that, the, the it that I'm referring to right now in our relationships is peace. Sometimes people that we love are in a bad way. I, there's no other way to put it. And I, you know, I use an I statement There have been times where I have just been in a bad way. And no matter how many different times somebody tried to reach me, if they did not reach me in the way that I requested, then I would not accept what they offered. I'm talking friends. I'm talking employers. I'm talking um, I'm talking family. I have this this. this weakness where there are times when it doesn't come my way. I can become so angry, so um, twisted up that in my heart, I might not, I might not admit it in the moment, but in my heart, it's almost as if this person could have tried to kept their best efforts to themselves. I don't want to be bothered. If it's not my way, it's the highway. And I, you know, I know how it sounds. And and I'm trying to make I statements because I know that I'm, I'm capable of being that way. I'm capable of being that way any day. So just know that about the person that you're listening to. Hopefully you don't recoil and hopefully you'll think and maybe you can relate to that to some degree as I move forward. Sometimes if somebody sees you and you're in a good mood, you seem to be moving along well in life and you have all this advice and you make, you can relate to all these different choices, all these different difficulties they're going through and you have a smile on your face and you have references 
and you've got all this stuff that you're sharing and that other person is just chewing you up one side and down the other. I want to tell you, maybe it's possible that person might be riddled with a little bit of envy, or maybe that person is just under attack spiritually and mentally, and it might not be personal. That person might not be trying to take away your peace and try to make it their own and not care about how they make you feel. They might not realize it. I mean, I have been that selfish before. I want what I want and I don't care about you and yours. I've done it. I've been that way. Um, And, you know, (laughs) one thing about one thing about life as you get older, if you're serious about trying to grow better and trying to be better as you grow and learn from your mistakes, sometimes God can give you exactly what you've given others. Um, And all I'm going to say is as a father uh, of a day-to-day father, blessed with the opportunities and responsibilities of being around my children, I have dealt with some people that I love that want things their way or no way at all. And I could just take all of my, my positive intentions and stuff them somewhere. So I know what it feels like to be on the receiving end of it too. It's not very good. So when you're in, when you feel like no matter what you do, somebody is constantly trying to take your happiness. They're trying to take your joy They're trying to put you on the defensive. One point I'd like to make is somebody cannot take what you give them. If we are serious about trying to give and share the fruit of the spirit, then there's nothing to worry about. Now, we're going to experience pressure, but if we're trying to share the fruit of the spirit, Love, joy, peace, kindness, patience, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. If we're trying to share those things, if somebody wants, if if I'm feeling good and they don't feel good about themselves until they pull me down, well, if they feel good, then they feel good. If they feel good, then I should not take it as they feel good at my expense. Because if they're receiving joy, if they are receiving real joy, if they are receiving real peace of mind and it helps them to have a sense of self-control, then I haven't been robbed. I've just been a part of the process of trying to share what's good with them. Can't take something that doesn't belong to me. If they think in their mind they... Um, You know, we we live in a time with sports and politics where we and I'm saying myself, too, we can get so consumed with our fears and deferred hope that we think is at the mercy of other people that don't think like us, that we can get ourselves wrapped up into thinking that if I can't have it my way, then then everything is going to go bad. Things are going to be bad or the bad things are only going to get worse. And all these opportunities that people like me have worked so hard for are going to go, are going to be abused and lost 
if these idiots, if these so-and-sos are allowed to claim victory, we got to get over ourselves. We really, we as Christians, we as people that strive for righteousness have to get over ourselves when we get consumed with that. It is a known fact that God did not make all of us to be exactly alike. And for that reason, the price of it is that people are going to do things that are curious to us. People are going to do things to us that are not to our liking. And in those times, it's up to us to remember that at some point in our lives, we were that way to somebody else. We intentionally or unintentionally were a stumbling block to somebody else's joy. So the work is not necessarily when somebody's coming to work your nerves or they can't stand when you come along with something positive to say. The work is to see yourself in that person that does not want to be led. Now, I know some of you is like, well, I was never like that. Yes, I made my mistakes, but I never did anything like that. Let me give you let me let me say a couple of things of that. Number one. I'm not going to call you a liar. Because it is very likely that there are certain things that you never did in your life that were bad, certain bad things you never did that you see other people do. There are certain things that you have done, however, that have been just as off-putting to somebody else that was trusting in you, that was depending on you, that wanted to ho- that had hope that they could trust you and you let them down. So even though you and I might not do what somebody else does that is quite that bad, if you can understand and accept that you are an imperfect person, an imperfect person accepted by grace, then you can try to find yourself and relate to somebody else who hasn't found the place that you have found yourself at right now. If you are on a solid foundation, remember that you weren't always there. Remember if they walk away with their chest out and bragging proud or whatever, that means they still have some growth to do. They still have some growing. They didn't make you look bad. You still, you still see that they still need some help. What we need to do in times like that is to make sure that we find pleasure in work, find pleasure in the work of recognizing that we are maybe a couple of shakes away from doing something that unnecessary ourselves. And the next thing to do, ladies and gentlemen, is if you can find other people that are like-minded and don't shrink away from the notion of looking specifically at our imperfections, the next step is to establish and maintain fellowship with good, with like-minded people. Because if we find fellowship with like-minded people, it makes it harder for us to burn out. That's the bottom line. Uh, We need each other. 
because when I'm strong, somebody that I love might not be. Sometimes when I'm strong, somebody that I have I barely know might get some strength from me. And then down the road, I might end up needing that person. So it's important for me not to get so not to focus so much on the sting of the disappointments of the sting of the um, disagreements, but to keep our focus on the on the treasure, the treasure that needs to be shared. And that is the fruit of the gospel, the fruit of the spirit found in Galatians chapter five, verses 22 and 23. So, again, this comes from a chance conversation that my wife and I lucked up into today. And a man said that when crooks come to take something from you, they want what you've earned for yourself, what you've earned, not what you learn. They don't care about you. They want your stuff. Remember, wealth is to be spent, but treasure is to be shared. If they walk away with some peace, but they don't know how to handle that peace, they don't know what to do with peace because they have too much pride, you know, don't allow that to be become your problem. Don't wish ill will towards them because it's not what God would want. And you got to remember at some point you might have done something like that to someone else. So in a little while, we're going to move on to Z time with Generation Z. But hopefully you've got something from this segment of the Nine Points podcast. Remember, wealth is to be spent, but treasure is to be shared. God of our weary years. God of our silent tears, Thou who has brought us thus far on the way, Thou who has by Thy might led us into the light, Keep us forever in the path we pray. Lest our feet Stray from the places, our God, where we met thee. Lest our hearts, drunk with the wine of the world, we forget thee. Shadow beneath thy hand, may we forever stand. True to our God, true to our native land. 